Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Mark 16, 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And in Luke 10, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, you're supposed to say, this is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God, right? Let's try it. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, good, good. Peace be with you. And also with you. Thank you. All right. Well, that's the call of the church. We've been in a series that's been explaining and unpacking this statement, love and serve. Why do we serve? Why do we do things like the big game post-game party and why do we do things like the family fun block party? Why do we feed the under-resourced on uh, Monday nights? And, and why do we do live streams so people that aren't here could watch the message or people that maybe uh, have a phobia of crowds could actually still uh, be in church today? So if you're out there, thank you. Why do we do what we do? Well, I'm going to talk to you about probably one of the hottest issues in society and you might not think it is until you hear what I have to say. So in Luke chapter 10, he appoints 72. Now, this is significant because back in Bible times, uh, and Genesis 10 records, there were 72 nations. So Jesus comes and says, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to appoint 72. Uh, by the way, he believes in doing church as a team, 72. And I'm going to have one go out there that's very symbolic for every nation that there is. <clears throat> and he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the, but the workers are few. Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. And, and what did we tell you recently? We said that if you pray long enough for workers, you'll become one. If you pray long enough for people to go out and share faith with, their, with your friends or your family, you'll become a worker. So if you've got your notes, get them out, and I'm going to have you take the first point, and it's real simple. It's called our mission. Now, this is not just the mission of LFC. This should be the mission of every Christian and of every church that's out there. 
We've been given this assignment. And the reason I use the term our mission is it's our collective mission to go into all the world and declare the gospel, as Christina read that to us today. If you back up to Luke chapter 9, you'll see that when he had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, to cure diseases, and he sent them out to, what's that word? Proclaim. In other words, you can't proclaim something if you keep it to yourself. Now, the world would like us to keep the gospel to ourselves. They're not big on evangelism, except in so doing, they become evangelists. Uh, I'll say it later, but I want to say it now that everyone is proselytizing for their own brand of belief, their own brand of cosmology, whatever that might be for them. He calls the 12 in Luke 9, and so some of us might say, okay, well, good, Luke 9, but we know Luke 10. He sent the 72 out, not just 12. To proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick, to drive out demons, to cure diseases. Wow. Well, let me summarize this for you. He sent them out to proclaim, which literally means to persuade people of the truth, to be persuasive, to work on your story, to work on your faith story. And we do that here through acts of service and kindness. We do that through vocally sharing. We do that to living our faith in front of others so they know there's something different about us. We live in such a way that eventually they're going to say, hey, you, you, you've got your lights on and somebody's home. That's really good. Yeah. Your lights are on in your home. Well, what do you mean your lights? Well, last week we, we saw that we're to be lights on a hill. Help people find their way to God. He said, you'll cast out demons. These are Jesus' words, not mine. You'll cast out demons, which literally means to liberate people's souls. We should never get tired of people coming to faith, coming to God, and recognizing that their shame and their guilt and their sins are forgiven, that they start with a brand new slate, they start with a brand new whiteboard, they begin again, the God of the umpteenth millionth chance. And I'm, I'm so proud of people who are, are taking steps forward to do good things with their lives. I met a gentleman the other night who's been coming to LFC, and he said, Pastor Bernie, I, I, I've been, been sober now 116 days. I thought, wow, yeah, 116. He said, tomorrow's going to be 117, buddy. Huh? I talked to a young lady a few months ago. Uh, she says, you know what? This is the first time in my life where there's clarity in my brain. Because I've been using drugs since I was 12. I thought, what? You know, she's in her 20s. And she said, the first time that like, all of that stuff is like flushed out of my system. And, 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 I, and then she said, that this is the better part than being drug-free. You know what the better part was? I've come to Jesus Christ, and I've given him my life. And I, I feel like I have a, a, a new peace and a new hope. And man, and I'm clean and sober. I go, wow, that's like double, you know? And then I said, oh, there's third thing. You know, the, when the three cherries line up, you win, right? So, so I'm saved, and I'm clean and sober, and the third one is, and, and I'm living for God, and I have purpose in my life. Jesus was saying to his disciples, you go out there 
And you liberate people's souls. And then he says, and you heal the sick, which literally means to mend bodies. And in the Greek, it also means to mend communities. You go and make a difference in Lompoc and Santa Barbara County, out at Vandenberg Air Force Base, you make a difference, as we talked about last week, to bring shalom to people, to seek the peace and prosperity of everyone who's around you and the city to which you have been called. So he tells them, you're going to be my disciples. You have an assignment. You have a mission. You see, part of being a disciple is God calls us out of the world and brings us to himself. He allows us to have intimacy with him. That's where you go, oh, I felt the presence of God. Or, or I read some scripture and I felt the word come from there to here and then to now. Or, or I prayed in a circle with people and ooh, I, I could feel the presence of God. We like that. I mean, it's great. Or man, that song that we sang, that connected with me. Or, or celebrating communion. I, I sense something of the life of Jesus and that's so good. I mean, I just, I love that. But that's not all he wants us to do. He calls us in to himself. He fills us with his spirit. He gives us courage and assurance and confidence. And then he says, now get out of here. He calls us in to send us out. Look at the the life of Abraham. He calls Abraham in and says, now go to a land that I will show you later on. But just get, get, get out of here. Moses. I've revealed myself to you, Moses. I've called you in. Now go to Pharaoh in a radical way and tell him, let my people go. Isaiah, he comes before God, and Isaiah says, but woe unto me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And God says, I got you covered. You said some stuff and done some stuff that you shouldn't have done. No problem. I got you covered. And he cleanses him and heals him, and he says, now go be my prophet. Go speak for me. You think of the Apostle Paul who was Saul and has this radical transformation on the road to Damascus. And he didn't just transform him so he could say, look, everybody, I'm transformed. He transformed him and said, now I want you to go preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we know that Saul, who became Paul, was the first one to ever preach the gospel in Europe. And he writes the majority of the New Testament. We've been using this verse in 1 Peter chapter 2 throughout this series, and let me just repeat it, First uh, Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people, that's who you are, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's what? Special possession. That means you've been set aside for God's exclusive use. I'm going to say it again. You've been set aside for God's exclusive use. So when we say God has a plan for you, that's biblical. He has set you aside for his exclusive use. Now, the problem is other things, people, philosophies, ideologies get to use you. People get to scam us. Come on. People manipulate us. People people have a plan for us. But, but, But this Bible verse says that God has a plan for you because you are his special possession that you may what? Oh, declare. Declare. The praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I, I want you to catch this word, declare. Because the scripture we read earlier today says, go into all the world and declare, preach the gospel. And proclaim the gospel. And it sounds to me like something needs to be stated. 
There needs to be volume behind this. There needs to be decibels behind this. And I use Ephesians 2.10 as a proof text, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do, to do good works. So we do good works, not to be saved, but because we are saved. I know you know this. And there's activity going on. There, there, there's, there's movement going on. Uh, I had a gentleman who came to talk to me a while back. He had moved here because his family were able to, to, to find a really good job out on the base and supporting some of our, our missile launches like the one we just had. And he asked this question. We, we, we uprooted from, you know, across the other side of the country. We left our family and our friends and our kids' little league and all the stuff we knew, our favorite restaurant, our favorite parks, and we come to the Central Coast. And he said these words to me. He goes, I'm really wondering what my purpose is and what God has for me to do. He said, you, you mentioned it once that we should ask God every morning. And I told the story of the little girl who, who wakes up and says, God, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to serve you today? And so he said, well, what, what would be my, my purpose? And I said, you know what? I have no idea. I'm not a prophet and and I'm not a, you know, I'm a magic wand or anything. But what if you ask God this? Show me today someone who needs encouragement. Show me a need today that I can clearly see. Find a need and fill it. I said, just start doing that for 30 days, then come back and see me later. And he did. And we talked about the fact that he was able to use his gifts and his talents he found a guy who was struggling with his finances. He was able to help him with some budgeting. He found a couple that was struggling on the brink of divorce. He was able to help them. His wife was able to meet with the gal. And I would take all morning to tell you all these little stories about this particular guy. But here's my statement to you. All of you have an assignment. And all of you have some hands that you can hold, some needs that only you can meet, the particular things that only you can do, and some of you, and you know who you are, you've been through the joys and the sorrows, the highs and the lows, not just so you'd have a scrapbook, but that you could use those experiences to make a difference in the lives of others. That's why I've said it, that God has a way of turning our misery into a ministry. God has a way of taking our past and using them powerfully to touch other people. There are some demons that only you can drive out, and there are certain people that God has prepared just for you. So that's our mission. Now here's our message, our message, number two. We are messengers. Ah. Luke 10, 9 and 16 says, and, 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 and tell them. But the world says, you be quiet. Church, to stay in your box, do your little service thing, but don't you dare come out here. Don't you dare raise your voice and tell people there is a God. Hmm. See, the kingdom of man, no. The kingdom of who? The kingdom of God has come near you. This is our message, that God left his throne through Jesus Christ and came to us. I love what the message Bible says in John chapter 1, that Jesus Christ set up his tent in our neighborhood. 
He came to hear. The kingdom came. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. In other words, you're not always going to be accepted when you tell somebody about your faith. But that's okay. Because if they reject you, they're rejecting Jesus. And if they reject Jesus, they're rejecting God the Father who sent them. We're not responsible for the responses of people. We're just responsible to live out our mission and to declare our, our message. And here's our message. The kingdom of God is here. And you look in the eyes of somebody and you say, hey, you know what? You have a God who cares about you. There's a God who knows your situation and circumstance. He, he's my God. He's, he's my, my Savior. And you declare what's called the gospel. Everybody's heard that phrase. See, the gospel, let me define it for you, is news of an objective, history-changing event. It's interesting to know that the word gospel was used before the disciples used it and before Jesus used it. The, the, the word gospel declared a history-changing event. In other words, there was a gospel of Caesar Augustus. The gospel of Caesar Augustus. And what did this gospel say? Caesar Augustus is about to be king. He's going to be your king, like it or not. Caesar Augustus is going to be in charge. And the gospel went on to say, under Caesar Augustus' rule, here's the taxation, here's the do's and don'ts. It was the gospel according to Caesar Augustus. And they told everyone that gospel. It's the news of a major history-changing event that impacts Everyone. So you, uh, his history buffs, they like the fact that in A.D. 490, there was a battle going on. And it was between the, the Persians, they were invading Greece, and the Athenians, those from Athens, were under the belief that they were losing the war. And this runner came with the gospel the gospel, and he ran from Marathon to Athens, about 26 miles, from which we get 26.2 miles, we, we get marathons today. Where, where the word marathon came from? It came from a place called Marathon. And so he runs to them because they are looting in the streets, they are beating each other up, and in some cases they're committing suicide because they believe that the Persians have taken them over. They don't know that on the front battle lines the war is over. There's no texting back then. There's no Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, real news or fake news. There's none. The gospel. And the runner runs 26 miles and he brings a decree, and here's what he said. The war is over. Gospel. Now, by the way, because I am a preacher, let me just have fun with this. Whenever you speak into someone's life about who God is and about grace and mercy and the power of the cross, what you're telling them is the war is over. They don't have to fight with God any longer. Because Jesus Christ has become our peace. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He, he, he makes a way for us. We, we don't have to hide from God or, or run from God or fight with God any longer. The war is over. 
And for some people, that's incredible news if they actually receive it and don't reject it. It's incredible news that we can stop fighting. And isn't it amazing when we even think about the fact that people would fight with God? Let me tell you who's going to win. Or we can hide from God. See, wherever you run, if you're running from God, wherever you go, He already is. He's omnipresent. It's like trying to hide from God. I'm hiding, Lord. You can't see me. (laughs) I'm behind this pole here, God. You, You can't see me. And he's just like chuckling in heaven. And all the angels are saying, hey, Bernie, your backside's sticking out. We can see you just fine. You know what I mean? You can't hide from God. That's good news for people to hear, proclaimed, declared. How God takes us from darkness and puts us into light. Your shame, your sin, your selfishness, your pride. Excuse this, this isn't for you, this is for me. Your stupidity. The war is over because Jesus has become our warrior and he fought for us on the cross. He conquered death, hell, and the grave on the cross. He conquered our efforts to be good human beings who do good so somehow we could earn favor with God. He conquered that too. If you don't get it, he says in Luke 10, verse 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now why is this important? Because the message is, I was there. A lot of people still believe this. It's kind of a a convoluted theology. They believe that Jesus Christ was created through the Virgin Mary, and that's where he started his existence on Christmas Day. No, Jesus always was. The second part of the Trinity is uncreated. He, He was always there. I am God before the foundation of the world. But he came in human form through the Virgin Mary. And whoever listens, verse 16, to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The gospel. Jesus coming to earth with a gospel, a history-changing story of his virgin birth, his pure life, his sacrifice on the cross, his death and resurrection, a faith that you must have in him and who he is, and what he's done. And this really is, this really is the line. It's when somebody says to you, how dare you say that Jesus is the only way to God? How dare you believe that there's not many ways to heaven, or stairways to heaven? How, how dare you believe? I can't just believe whatever I want, and, and God would... And you know what I want to tell you this, 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 this morning? Tell those preachers to stop preaching. Because they're preaching. See, when, when, when someone tells you not to preach, they're preaching. And they're preaching their brand of belief, their brand of religion, and their cosmology. They're telling you, this is, this is, you be quiet. Why should I be quiet? Don't talk about Jesus. Well, why? No, wait. To tell me that is to preach. Now, think about it. You, you, you tell somebody at work, you know, next time they, they, they tell you, hey, <clears throat> we don't allow religion around here. You know, you can have your Jesus thing, but keep it to yourself. You know what they're doing? They're preaching to you. They're preaching to you their theology that says, their cosmology that says, you shouldn't preach. So I want you to get this point down. 
everyone is proselytizing for their beliefs. No. We, we, we have bold people proselytizing for their view of, of, of politics and their view of economy and their view of lifestyle. There's people preaching out there. We need to be more tolerant. You need to be more accepting. You need to believe my beliefs. Now, listen. Listen, we live in a land of free home of the brave. You can believe what you want here. God bless you very much. But I just ask a question, just, just in humility, I ask a question. What gives somebody the right to tell me I can't tell people about Jesus? Just, just asking. Well, Pastor, you'll ruffle feathers if you do that. Jesus told us to ruffle feathers. Go into all the world and preach. Well, I just I don't even know what I would say. I'll help you before we leave. I know what I would do. He said, you, you're my special possession, my chosen people, my royal priesthood, that you would declare the difference between light and dark. And listen, I'm not, 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 not even submitting to you that you go out to work tomorrow or to school tomorrow and stand up on a desk and say, everybody here, repent, Jesus Christ. I mean, come on. I'm not saying that. But I just ask you a question, and I'm just going to, massage this for a moment. In our heart to love God, love people, serve God, serve people. Are there people you've never shared your faith with because of fear? Or are there people you won't share your faith with because somebody told you one time, we want to separate church and, and state and religion and government and all? Come on. There are people desperate, let me just say this, for the message that you would bring to them through Jesus Christ. People are desperate to hear from you. They hear from you. Well, what's our motivation? What's our, what's our motivation? Well, the solution to the world's problem is not don't convert anyone. The solution to the world's problem is, is, is don't let anyone know that God loves them. That's not the solution to our world's problem. I think our motivation needs to be the fact that uh, St. Teresa of, of Avila said it best, that, that, that Christ has no body on earth but your body. No hands but your hands. No feet but your feet. Yours are the eyes through which the compassion of Christ looks out to the world. Yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good. Yours are the hands with which he is to bless others now. Luke ten seventeen. The 72 return to give a debrief or a hot wash of what had happened. Lord, we got something to tell you. What do you want to tell me? Even the demons submit to us in your name. You think that's the answer Jesus wanted? No. Uh, Lord, uh, uh, we go to a pretty good church. It's got three services on Sunday. Ooh, wow. They're on the internet. Ooh, wow. They got big parties. Yeah, biggest parties the city holds. We, that's what we do. Oh, wow, wow, wow. We got youth group on Tuesday night. Woo! We got young adults on Thursday night. Woo! We feed people on Monday night. Woo! No questions asked. Woo! We're really something. Lord, you should be impressed with us. Oh. See, Jesus is saying, I don't like what's driving your ministry. I don't like your motivation. And he stops and he tells them in verse 20, you should rejoice 
Not that the demons submit to you. You should rejoice that your names are written in heaven. See, our motivation for sharing our faith with other people is because he has saved us. Period. Now, the works that we get to do and the blessings that we get and the benefits that we have are because of his spirit, because he's redeemed us from death unto life, from darkness to light. It was different back then. Every town had a book. And if your name was written in the book, and of course, they didn't have printing presses. Somebody took a quill and they wrote on parchment, and they wrote your name. Sally Smith, Betty James, hmm, Joe Anderson. See, if your name was written in the book, that meant you were a citizen of that city. If your name was written in the book, that meant you got carte blanche. If your name was written in the book, you had the ability to go to the front of the line, not the back of the line. You were somebody if your name was in the book. And Jesus uses that very analogy about your name being written in not just the book, but your name written in heaven. It's when the Jews come to Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Our Father, our Father, we've sinned against you. Right? our names in your book of life just for one more year. Because they thought if their name wasn't in the book of life, if they died, they wouldn't get to be in the presence of God. So our name in the book means that we have been saved. No big deal that the demons submit to you. Because Jesus says, I saw Satan fall from heaven. La-dee-da, who do you think you are? And he speaks against their pride. And he speaks about the fact that the greatest thing that they have going for them is they've been accepted in Christ. And dear ones, I submit to you that if Christ has changed our lives, maybe when you were a kid, or maybe when you were in high school, or maybe just a few months ago, if Christ has taken your name and put it in his book and reserved a spot for you in heaven, if he's gotten rid of your shame and your guilt and your sins... You know what we need to do besides praising him and thanking him? We need to tell other people about what he's done for us. That's the greatest thing we can ever do. See, the gospel is not to rejoice in what you do, but to rejoice in who you are in Christ. Our doing comes out of our being. Our being is we are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. So all of our work, all of our our education, all of our our love your neighbor as yourself flows from a place of we are already loved in Christ. So when we go out in the world and try to find love, looking for love in all the wrong places, I think I read that book. We stop and say, God, we find our love in you. And it's from a place of being loved, we love our world. He brings us in to send us out. He fills us up. So we would go out and deplete ourselves so we'd come back again and go back out, go back out. It's so cool. So if your life is all about, I'm just hanging out. Some of you have to be really old to remember this. I'm hanging out next to the spout where the glory comes out. And I want to leave. I just want to be where God is. And God says, get out of here. I have filled you up so you might go out and impact the world. Love me. 
but love others. Serve me, but serve others. See, the secret to motivation in loving and serving is because of who you are in Christ and to be encouraged by the amazing joy that you are in his book. And in verse 21, he said, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you. And he goes into a little prayer. Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Can you imagine? You just come back and say, hey, the demons are subject to us. We saw the demons leave. Man, we saw. But not one of those disciples said, Jesus, it's amazing. The life you poured into us, we're seeing lived out now in others. We saw a guy who was far from you, Lord, who's worshiping you now. God, we're, we're celebrating transformation. Nope. We're celebrating the fact that the demons are subject to us. He said, and now he praises. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned, the prideful and the arrogant. You've revealed them to little children. Little children? Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. What's he mean by this? He's not pressing for childishness but he's pressing for a childlike faith. A couple weeks ago, I, I met a brand new LFCer, about three weeks old, right out here. That's our first day in church with our little baby. I said, oh, man. And I, I took my glasses off, and I looked at that little kid, and that kid had big old eyes. He's staring at me. And every time I see a child like that, I'm reminded of childlike faith. You see, Daddy was holding on to that little handle. Baby was in this little cradle thing, you know, with airbags and everything. Back in our day, we just took a little basket and seat belted the kids in, you know. We didn't have all that stuff. Now they got robo car seats, you know, push a button, armadillo covering. You know, it's good. No, it's good. We should be safe. It's good. We used to ride in the back of the truck. I mean, it's different now, isn't it? down the 405 on our way to Disneyland. You know what I mean? In the back with a blanket over us. That was our youth pastor driving the truck too back then because it was legal, you know. Don't do it. You'll get a ticket. And you should because it's not safe, okay? But I looked in the eyes of that little kid and I said, wow. I looked at mom, I looked at dad. I do this all the time. And I said, you know what, what that reminds you of? That's childlike faith. That kid is not saying, uh, Dad, are you sure you have the strength to hold that handle? That kid's not saying, Mama, Mama, um, <clears throat> when are taxes due? Huh? Where's, where's my next meal coming from? You know what, you know what that is? Because obviously the kid wasn't crying, so he's, he's well fed. He's got the oil and filters have been changed recently. Everything's fine, <laughs> you know? And... Um, not teething yet, he's three weeks old, so he just like, he's just living the dream. You know, some of you think you're living a dream. That, that kid was living a dream. Hey, by the way, the reason I take time to tell you that is, that's how God wants us to be in his presence. Childlike faith. I trust you, Lord. You're holding the handle, God. You're taking care of me. Take no thought for tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough people worrying about it already. Jesus said that. In this world, you'll have tribulation and trials, but be of good cheer. I'm holding the handle. I'm taking care of you. Well, my next meal, what am I going to do about Shh, shh, be quiet. It's okay. I got you. That's childlike faith. 
And that's what the Father wanted. Faith through Jesus Christ to be revealed that way to people just like you and me who would have childlike faith. We are motivated to do our work of ministry knowing that Jesus has so much joy when we do his work. He's thrilled by it. Now, I would wonder as we come to the end of this message, how many people here are watching online or sitting in our cafe enjoying the best $2 lattes in town have maybe never believed in the gospel? Or maybe you've never presented the gospel to anybody and you're going, I wouldn't even know where to start. Well, write this down at the bottom of your notes or on the back side. Just find a little space. Write down these four letters, B-A-S-E, bass. Not bass, like bass guitar, B-A-S-S, or bass, like fishing. B-A-S-E, bass. And B stands for believe. Believe. People must believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again from the dead. Yeah, well, you shouldn't tell anybody about that. I'm sorry. Stop preaching to me. I'm going to listen to my preacher. His name is Jesus. And he said to go into all the world and find a way to preach the gospel. Some of you are afraid about doing that. So that's why we have these training wheel exercises. We call them post-game party, family fun block party. Or you can wear a serve team shirt. You could be one of us. And you can go out there and you, through acts of kindness and service, can just love people. You can run a little game at our little uh, Halloween alternative and you can look in the eyes of families and say, hey, so glad you're here. And, 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 as it happens to be, you could say, you know what, we're so glad you're, by the way, God really cares about you. He loves you. Well, that'll change people's lives. So B is believe. According to the Gallup poll a few years ago that 87% of Americans said they believed in Jesus Christ. Wow. They believed in what happened at Christmas and Easter. Wow. Use that. Hey, a guy named George Gallup took this poll. 87% of people said they believed in Jesus Christ. Do you believe? That's, that's a good lead-in. You could use that. Do you believe? Or this. I asked somebody recently. What do you believe? Well, my, my grandma raised me Catholic. Well, that's good. Do you go to church? No. No. Well, what do you believe? Well, I, I don't go to church. No, no, forget church. Forget church. Here's a preacher saying forget church. What do, you, what do you believe in your heart of hearts? Well, one person said, I'm not really sure. Then they said this. Are you really? I, this is just phenomenal. I'm not sure what I believe. What do you believe? They asked me. What do I believe? <laughs> Yay! Do you believe? A, accept. After you talk to somebody about their belief, if they say they don't believe, then you've got to work on that a little bit. But if they do believe, then you say, well, you need to accept God's free forgiveness for your sins. The cross is where he, we, we die. We had, we had communion today. Somebody made this for me back in 1999. It's a big old communion cup. It's got the cross. It's got the cup. It's got the dove on it and the king, the four squares. Pretty cool. They made me a plate, too. Wow. 
And sometimes when no one's around, I just have communion with this plate. And I remember this from 1989. And it says, for the glory of God on the bottom of it. Mm. See, I accept what that cup represents. The body of Christ was on the cross for me. The, the blood of Christ. The cup represents that. The, the, the bread of Christ. The body of Christ. And I accept that. Would you accept that? To ask somebody, would you accept the fact that Jesus Christ died for you? Yeah, okay, I can accept that. Well, that leads us to S. And S could be either switch or surrender. You take your pick. Would you switch leadership roles with God? Let him be your leader. Or would you surrender to him? You, you, you believe, you accept, and then you switch or you surrender to him. You're under new management. Grand reopening. Huh? God sits on the throne of my heart now. And if you're willing to do this, then you're three quarters of the way there. Because E stands for express. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, we believe in our hearts and we confess. Isn't it interesting? Jesus is very vocal about things. I want you to proclaim. I want you to confess. I want you to declare. Everything has to do with a vocal expression. And he says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you believe in your heart and confess with your lips, Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. Confession. I believe, I accept, I surrender or switch, and then I express. So now, after explaining the four steps, ask the person if they're willing. Follow up to Christ. Not to be religious, but to have a relationship with the Lord. I think people are desperate for gospel news. You know why I know this? Because God created everyone with eternity in their hearts. God created everyone with a God-shaped vacuum that they desperately can only have filled with Jesus. And then you could lead them to this prayer. Matter of fact, we're all going to pray it together. Okay? And here it is. You can repeat that for me. Dear God... I believe you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins so I could be forgiven. I am sorry for my sins. I want to live the rest of my life the way you want me to. I confess that you are Lord, risen from the dead. Please put your Holy Spirit into my life. Direct me. Guide me. And I will follow you. Amen. Isn't that a great prayer? Whether you're saved or not, it's a great prayer. By the way, there might be some of you who prayed that for the first time in your life. And I'm just curious to know, anybody that way? This is, this is your day of salvation? This is your day? Yeah. Anybody? Okay. Anybody watch online? Raise your hand if you are. Yeah, I can't see you. Yeah. By the way, when we end this service, our prayer teams will be available. If, you, if this is your day of salvation, this prayer becomes your prayer. Let one of our prayer team members over there, over here, pray with you. And uh, we'll also get you a packet, get you started. It's a yes packet, get you started on your journey of faith. And if you're watching online, just email us. We'll mail it to you free of charge. Just, you can have one of those packets. But the truth is, People are desperate to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
So don't let anybody tell you, hey, don't preach. Now, I know some of you, P.S., work at places where you're not allowed to present the gospel because it would be a violation of HR. The HR is an evangelist. They're preaching. They're proselytizing their brand. We don't want any religion around here. But boy, have you noticed that workplaces, people talk about all kinds of stuff that should be illegal. But you talk about God or Jesus, oh, you got trouble now. So, so what you do is, I'm going to keep your job. I don't want you to lose your job. Just say, hey, hey, um, right down the hill here or right over here, there's this, this, this place called Southside or Starbucks. I'll buy you a coffee because I have a question to ask you I think is pretty important. Well, what's the question? Well, meet me there and I'll buy you a coffee. And you buy him a coffee and you ask him, I just, I'm taking a survey. Start a survey. No, start a survey. Don't lie. Start a survey. If you ask more than one person, you're starting a survey. Ask them, what do you believe? It's just why well, I just want to want to know what you know. Our pastor church said we got to start a survey, so we're going to turn in the answers. He's supposed to give us extra points or something. Uh, and here's the story: What do you believe? You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised what some people believe. I had a person not too long ago tell me this. I know you're probably going to preach to me, Pastor. You know, he views me as his chaplain. His chaplain. I know you're probably going to preach to me. My life has been such a mess. God would not take me. So you, you find somebody else. I'm so messed up, God would refuse me. I thought, wow, what would you have said to them? You know what I said? You know how messed up I am? He goes, no, you're the chaplain. I said, no, man, I'm messed up. And God accepted me. God said a simple thing, whosoever will may come. For God so loved the whole world. Hey, buddy, you live on, on planet Earth? That's the world. He goes, yes, I do. I said, then guess what? God was talking about you. Jesus was talking about you in John chapter 3. Really? Is my name in the Bible? Yeah. For God so loved the world. He was talking about you. Don't ever let anybody tell you that God doesn't accept you or won't accept you. Don't every, any, anybody ever say that to you because he does accept you just as you are. And he loves you too much to let you stay that way. He's going to change your life. Huh. We're having ongoing conversations about faith. There are people like that. If you walked up, hey, I'm taking a survey. You are? Yeah, I'll buy you a coffee as payment for the survey. Well, what's the survey about? I'll see you at the coffee shop. And... What do you believe? I think you'd be surprised how God could use that little question to open the door. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.